The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 99th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, the show that champions entrepreneurs, startups, early stage, and in fact, all small businesses, and we're heard, we are heard all around the world in some hundred countries at the same time every single week. I want to thank you for making us the number one show on business on radio in the world. We're broadcasting this show today from Sydney in Australia instead of our normal broadcasting home in Los Angeles. It's actually 10 a.m. on Wednesday morning here, so it kind of feels weird to be doing the show at this time. And don't forget to listen next week to our 100th show. It's quite a milestone, one that we're proud of. We'll actually be broadcasting next week from Mumbai in India, where I'm giving the keynote presentation to the Indian Retail Forum Conference, which is one of the biggest retail forums in the world. India is the second largest emerging economy and the development in retail in India has been absolutely phenomenal. I gave the keynote um, at this address about three years ago and it was terrific and I'm looking forward to seeing what advances have been made in that time. My presentation this time is certainly a hell of a lot different with a lot more focus on... um, the phenomenal marketing opportunities that exist with mobile and social media, particularly with um, Facebook and location-based technology. It's a whole new ball game than what we had just three or four years ago. Now, after the disappointment of Apple's announcements last week where the extent of their innovation was coloured phones, a fingerprint identification feature, enhanced camera in your operating system, That caused the stock to drop 5%. Apple's reportedly worked on a new version of Apple TV, and it could be released as early as next month. Boy, they need something. In October, we're also expecting the new iPad to arrive, so that it's likely that Apple will release the two of them simultaneously. They're also reportedly working on a full-fledged TV set, as well as a revamped set-top box and uh, also an Xbox Connect-like motion sensor product for future TV-related products. So it's going to be interesting. They're also talking about a new version of the Mac Pro that could drive the 4K displays on the new Apple TV hardware. So with a bit of luck, they um, might be getting their act to gear. 
They're preparing a slew of new Macs, at least two new iPads and some software. But they certainly need something really innovative. As I've said before, they need an Elon Musk. And they need an Elon Musk sooner rather than later. We often talk about how um, it's critical these days to develop relationships with your customers and get close to your customers. Well, Urban Outfitters, the clothing apparel people, are increasingly using regular customers in photos for their advertising. Instead of using models, they find uh, their customers by searching social media hashtags. And uh, I think it's a a bloody good idea and it it makes them more real. AT&T and T-Mobile, well, they're accepting pre-orders for Samsung's new smartwatch, the Galaxy Gear, and each new smartphone, because you need the smartphone to work the watch. So you need the Galaxy Note 3 to be able to uh, work the watch. The Galaxy Gear will cost $299, but as I said, you need the Galaxy 3 Note using Bluetooth. So I guess it'll tell you whether um, this is a good idea or maybe a real bad idea. But I think the idea of, um, of the watch telling you incoming calls and emails on that tiny little touch screen, that's the big problem that I see. And it's, a, it's got a camera built into the strap and it accepts voice commands and it's all very trick. But it's just the uh, start of many, I would assume. But whether tying the two products together is a good idea, it makes it very hard to, um, to penetrate the market. McDonald's are also testing a mobile ordering app that will allow you to order and pay for your McDonald's meals from your phone. The new app will allow you to order and pay online, irrespective of whether you're picking up your food curbside or whether you're going into the store to buy it. Now, you know, this is pretty groundbreaking in the fast food industry, and they're trying to develop an app that integrates all of the opportunities that mobile presents, and it's another attempt by uh, McDonald's to attract millennials to the brand, and I'm very confident that it will be successful. But as I've mentioned before, one of the things that really cheeses me off is people buying coffee at Starbucks with their phone app. It just seems to be so slow. Well, maybe it's because they talk more or something, but it seems to clog up the lines everywhere I've seen it. Mark Zuckerberg was at the TechCrunch Disrupt conference last week and uh, said that Facebook now sees 1.15 million monthly users and 699 million 699 million users being active every single day. You know, Zuckerberg said it wasn't that long ago that 1 billion users seemed like an enormous achievement. But he added that it wasn't a magic number. While it's bigger than anybody else has ever built, Zuckerberg's goal is to connect the next 5 billion people. The challenge being that, you know, most of these people don't have internet. So Zuckerberg, um, in the next five to ten years, wants to play a big role in helping people from all over the world to create companies and create jobs and um, wants to bring internet to all parts of the world that don't have it 
and he's partnered with some bloody great people on this. He's partnered with Ericsson, MediaTek, Nokia, Opera, Qualcomm, Samsung, and a whole bunch of others, and I'm sure that there'll be a lot more join the bandwagon before it um, gets much further. I think it's a fantastic goal and one that should be applauded by everybody and supported by everybody if you can. This program is all about entrepreneurs and we love entrepreneurs. And last week we saluted nine-year-old entrepreneur Alexandra Jordan, nine years old, who created an app called Super Fun Kid Time, which um, debuted at the Disrupt Hackathon in San Francisco. Alexandra's app schedules kids' playdates. She's nine years old. How cool is that? Today I want to salute Niall Foodie from Ireland, who has both Asperger's and dyspraxia, which presents him with serious challenges in communication, concentration, and in measuring time. And he's not only created the first of its kind luminous keyhole, but he hopes he's not only invented a product, but an entire industry. The young entrepreneur said, it's the world's only glow-in-the-dark key lock surround fitting, and he can develop other lines such as luminous stickers for night switches or doorbells and luminous numbers on keypads. It can make a difference for the environment since it means that the light doesn't have to be left on to see the keyhole of what you're doing. Now, Niall aspires to be a role model for other people with autism and Asperger's. And what a great start. What a great story. You know, I get sick of people who are fully fully able-bodied bitching about how tough things are and how the world's against them. And here's a guy with Asperger's and dyspraxia who is an entrepreneur and doing well. Niall, we're the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Really salute you for a fantastic effort and doing it, you know, against some pretty solid odds. And Niall and Alexandra prove that no matter who you are, where you're from, what age you are, or what obstacles you face, we can all be entrepreneurs and achieve great things. The only thing stopping 99% of us from being great entrepreneurs is we are too bloody lazy to get off our asses, think outside the box, and actually do something. It's all that's stopping us. Drive. Ambition. Okay. A TechCrunch disrupt a new cross-platform mobile uh, messaging system uh, raised its head. This app's called Uni Messenger, and it lets you chat privately with your friends on a whole variety of social networks, including Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and a bunch of others which may include Google Plus in the very near future. The company was founded just three months ago and has eight full-time employees and a dozen part-time staff in San Francisco. It's fantastic. <laughs> three months. UniMessage is a downloadable app. It's built initially for Android, which combines all your social networking contacts, and he puts them in all in one address book. 
Now, this part of the service is not that much different than other social address book apps like Brewster and CoBook and Adapt and others. But once it's installed, users will be able to message their friends on the various social networks using just this one app. And UniMessenger takes advantage of the social network's APIs in order to send the messages to the friend's private inbox on the site in question. So once your friends have the app, they can take advantage of various branded messaging app features like group chat, which is called Circles, photo and location sharing, and a whole heap more. The entrepreneurs are currently working on voice and video calls, SMSs and email support, multi-language support, gesture controls, and the addition of other globally popular social networks. I love it. This app has great promises, one of the first cross-platform, cross-social network mobile media clients in the market, and when they bundle in SMS phone and video support, that will be fantastic. So David Dye and Joe True, we salute, salute you too for being great entrepreneurs and developing what looks like a fantastic product and getting it to the market in just a few months. Well done. For all of you entrepreneurs who have spent years developing product and then constantly trying to improve it and adding more and more bells and whistles, take note. Develop your primary product, get it out into the marketplace and add the bells and whistles whistles as you go. As I mentioned to you, this show is coming to you from um, Sydney, Australia. And immediately after the show finishes today, I am off to India to give presentations on retail marketing. And next week's show is the 100th episode of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show brought to you from Mumbai. So you're listening to the number one show in the world for entrepreneurs, the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, while 85% of our audience, or 80% at least, is based in the US, we have listeners right across the globe. We've got two guest interviews this week. The first is Scott McCain, who's recognised by Social Media Marketing Magazine as one of the 50 most influential marketing authors on Twitter. And the second is Donald Cooper, who began his career sweeping floors and went on to win seven awards for excellence in marketing in the service and business innovation. So all you entrepreneurs that are bitching all the time, chill. We've had one nine-year-old, one guy with autism, and one guy who started sweeping the floors all become hugely successful. So if you're not, I don't want to hear it. This is Bob Pritchard, and you're listening to the 99th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business, and I'll be back with my first guest in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. 
Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore. Or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show. This is the segment where we uh, give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's extraordinary and successful people and what makes them tick. Most extraordinary people that I've ever met began life as average, ordinary people, just like most of us. So what makes them unusual and great? Well, this is the segment where we find out. My guest today, I've reached in Indianapolis, is Scott McCain, who teaches businesses how to deliver the ultimate customer experience. Scott's one of about 150 living members of the Professional Speakers Hall of Fame. And trust me, as somebody who goes out speaking regularly, that is one hell of a feat. He's also recognized by Social Media Marketing Magazine as one of the 50 most influential marketing authors on Twitter and Glenn Juice. Scott was also chosen by Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the MC and speaker for the Great American Workout, held on the White House lawn with the President and carried live on CNN and NBC's Today Show. He's the author of Collapse and Distinction, How to Create Differentiation in the Marketplace, which took the number one spot on Amazon's list of business bestsellers. Now, I often talk about how to differentiate yourself, and but Scott takes it to the next level. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the show. Well, it's great to be with you. Thank you so much. I, I appreciate it, and uh, I'm, I'm just honored you would have me. Thank you very much for letting me have the opportunity to talk with you today. Thank you. Firstly, is to be distinctive the same as differentiation? And if so, does distinction simply involve doing a lot of things extraordinarily well? Well, the latter part is certainly correct. Uh, distinction involves doing uh, a, a number of things certainly well. One of the things we found is, is, as I was looking and doing the research for the book was that uh, distinctive companies tend to tend, though, uh, it's not that they throw the baby out with the bathwater, start over, and say we're going to be distinctive. It's that they find one or two particular areas that they flip upside down. Let, let, let me give you a quick example: uh, enterprise rental car. Uh, the, the rental car that you get from Enterprise is the same that you would get from Hertz or Avis or any of their other competitions. So there's no product uh, differentiation available in that business. But Enterprise had had one solitary idea. Instead of making the customer come to us to get the car, we will take the car to them. And, and by changing that one aspect, how, how the customer accesses the product, they've, they've created the largest rental car company in the world. Um, so what we find with the six organizations is that it's not necessarily that they you know do A to Z differently, but they can at least find one or two things that they absolutely turn upside down. But what, I, what I see is that if we were thinking of, let's say, laptop computers, right. we, we could see a pyramid. At the bottom would be those organizations that are saying, Acer, Asus, uh, 
uh, gateway uh, Fujitsu. And it's not that they make a bad product. All of those make a, you know, a wonderful product. It's just that I can't tell you why you should buy an Acer instead of an Asus. It's all the same. Sure. Sony, Dell, HP, others have differentiated themselves. Sony, for example, uh, with the Vio line and, and, and other organ, you know, uh, uh, HP with the printers and peripherals, Dell made the order. So they have something about them that differentiates them. But I think that we would all tend to agree that Apple has become distinctive over the last few years. That Apple is the, what, what our buddy Joe Calloway calls the category of one. They have risen to a point that there's true distinction in the marketplace as opposed to merely making themselves different. And so what we find is that differentiation, or at least in the terminology that I'm using in the book, differentiation is critically important. It's something that every organization Absolutely. must do. But, but what what could happen to us if we even went beyond that? What, one of the phrases I'm using now, it's what happens when great isn't good enough? Yeah. <laughs> you know, how do you go beyond that and, and even take it to a higher level? And it fascinates me that, that there are some organizations that do create that, that area of distinction, that area where they stand out more than, than, than anything. And, and they also seem to be able to weather uh, volatile uh, economic times better than, than other organizations as well. So it's, it's a critical aspect that's a great place to be. Because you're not buying on price, you're buying on something else. That, and, you know, um, once you stop differentiating, you start um, selling on price. It's the kiss of death. Oh, absolutely. And you, you hit the nail on the head because I, I'm sure you have the same thing. People say, well, they're loyal to us. No, they're not. They're loyal to price. Yeah. Right? I mean, if, if price is the differentiating factor, then as you, you know, as, as you talk about, then all you have to do is to lower your price and get the business. But it's not your customers loyal to you. They're loyal to the price. And so what we've got to do is to find something else. And, and, and that's where what you talk about and, and, and what I talk about. And it's so important for organizations and for individual professionals to understand that uh, if you keep bringing the same old thing to the marketplace, then, then you haven't given your customer a reason to choose you. Yeah. Well, now, we hear a great deal about shameless self-promotion. I often think that that's what I do. <laughs> does that help build <laughs> distinction? Well, yeah, I, I, it certainly does. But, but when when you do it and when other people who do it and do it right, as, as you do, uh, there's a congruency there that I think the customer is looking for. There's so much clutter in the marketplace, but part of that is because there are shameless self-promoters that can't back up the promotion with with actual content or results or quality of product and service. And so I think that's sometimes where it gets, uh, you know, where, where, where people might shy away from that is because they're shamelessly self-promoting a shell, <laughs> nothing. And, and obviously that's not what you're doing. It's not what I'm trying to do out there in the marketplace. But I, I, I think that's one of the things that distinctive organizations do is not only do they shamelessly self-promote, but they shamelessly over-serve their customer. They shamelessly create uh, extraordinary products and services. And so there's a congruency there between the promotion and the practice that, that, that really drives the distinction in the marketplace. Yeah. So should a business be concerned with meeting the standards for the industry that, that they're in? Well, I've always viewed the industry standard 
well, I was being the average, right? I mean, if yeah. someone says, well, this is it's the industry standard, that's that's the average. And it's also uh, below um, average. <laughs> yeah, exactly, you're exactly right. And there's a mentor of mine once said, well, you know, average is either the bottom of the top or the top of the bottom, <laughs> you know, yeah. where you want to be. And, and I, distinctive organizations aren't concerned about the industry average uh, or the industry standard because their practice is you know, to, to be distinctive, to exceed it, that they they set their own benchmarks, and what happens is the competitor in the marketplace is usually trying to catch up to them. Yeah, I, I saw a, an article um, about from Harvard saying that uh, they looked at fifty one categories of of um, products and services, and they found forty six of them um, to be what they would consider um, commoditized. So mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. couldn't see the difference between one and the other. In fact, a survey showed 92% of people saw like products as totally interchangeable. If I don't buy wow. this, I'll buy this, and it doesn't make any difference because they're about the same. And that mm-hmm. Make, mm-hmm. makes it really hard to market your product when you're in that sort of position. Oh, exactly. But, you know, it's fascinating to me is the commoditization is as much the attitude of the organization and the people within that organization as it is the industry. Um, if, if, you know, if we accept that, that people drink coffee in the morning, right? They've been doing it for centuries and, and they've been doing it all over the world. Starbucks comes along and differentiates coffee. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, if Starbucks would have said, well, coffee's a commodity, it would, it would never have risen to the global success that it has. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just fascinating to me if you look at, you know, uh, I mean, you can get water for free out of a fountain. <laughs> but yeah. when, when, when you and I travel the world, we see people buying bottles of Evian uh, and, and others, you know, everywhere. And so uh, water is a commodity, <laughs> you know. And so, the, the, yeah, I mean, I can't, it's water. You know? yeah. <laughs> we'll, we will we will. Spend money to, to and, and we even have our favorite waters. There's some that prefer Evian. There, there are some that prefer others. And, and so it, 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 it's commodity. I, I I believe that commoditization exists. It obviously exists, but I think it's it's not just an industry that becomes commoditized. I think it's it's also the you know the mindset of. Uh, the people within an organization about whether or not they're going to accept that for themselves because if you can differentiate coffee, if you can differentiate water, you know, uh, uh, MasterCard and Visa differentiate currency. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you'll pay a higher interest rate for the convenience even though the, you know, the dollar is the same uh, from, from one to another. And, and so we can find ways to, to create compelling differentiation and become distinctive in our markets even if we're dealing in a in a in a industry that has been long thought to be commoditized, I think it's interesting. I, I talk to clients and talk on the show about um, most people think the business that they're in is what they're selling. Where usually it's quite different. In fact, I hardly ever see an instance where what the people are selling is the business that they're really in. And I thought of that because when you were mentioning Starbucks and differentiating coffee. Um, Starbucks really don't sell coffee at all, do they? No, they, I mean, they coffee sell is a byproduct. You have to get a yeah, cup when yeah, you walk yeah. in, but that's about as close as it gets. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, I started uh, not not this this book, but the one before that. I, I started it talking about sitting there writing the book, and and that was kind of the blinding flash. The obvious was I was sitting there in Starbucks. So why did I walk in that store for a cup of coffee? Well. 
yeah, I guess that's the product. I mean, that's what the exchange of money was for, was to buy that coffee. But, I, you know, I was also buying, a, you know, uh, an experience, a place to sit. Uh, Not you to know, mention free Wi-Fi. All of, yeah, exactly, <laughs> right. It's, it's a free Wi-Fi, free, you know, and, and so you sit there and you have the free Wi-Fi and, and usually it's, it, many of them are at a place where you can even sit outside if the weather's good. You know, those kinds of things that uh, I, I, I got some work done. So what was I paying them for? Well, technically I paid them for the coffee, but really the reason I was there was was all that and so much more. And so that's part of what I, I think that you know, we buy the water, but in part it's the convenience of that plastic bottle and the ability to handle it and it fits right in the, the cup and the car and all those kinds of things. But also, you know, there's a little, I don't know, some people I go by, there's some people that uh, you know, they feel a little prestigious drinking Evian water as opposed to Perrier, as opposed to, you know, just, just yeah. get it out of the tap. I, I don't know. I mean, it's funny what people will pay for and what people will differentiate all over the world in it. <laughs> but, I but, think it but proves that you can true. fool most of the people most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can't argue with that logic, Bob. I think you're right on it. <laughs> in my view... You know, the key to success is hard work, hard work, and more hard work, I, I think, irrespective of what you do. If you work hard enough, um, eventually you'll succeed to what degrees depends on a whole bunch of other things, but you'll succeed. Now, we all know that hard work's important, but how much does luck figure into business success? I've always discounted it. What, what's your view? Well, there's the old line. I mean, in, in my country, Abraham Lincoln is is uh, quoted as saying it. But if if you really take it back, it, it goes to Seneca uh, in in ancient times, and and that is that luck is when opportunity opportunity meets preparedness. Yeah. And I I think it goes back exactly to what you're saying. It's it's that if if we work hard enough, that hard work becomes the preparation. So when the opportunity arises, we are prepared to meet it. Yeah. Um, in in every industry, and I'm sure you see the same thing. I mean, you, in every industry that I work in, and I, I will meet people who are presented an opportunity, and and they just knock it out of the park, and it, and it's because they work so hard for so long that when the they are so prepared that when the opportunity comes, they can take great advantage of it. And then the funny thing is, those people who aren't prepared then look at that individual and say, wow, isn't he lucky? Absolutely. That's true. <laughs> you know, he's fortunate, perhaps, that an opportunity came along. But but to call it mere luck, I mean, luck to me suggests random chance. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's going to Las Vegas or it's going to a casino and it's the numbers come up right. That's yeah. sheer luck. Yeah. But, but in terms of business, what we ascribe to luck many times uh, I, to me, it, it might be, you know, we're fortunate. I think any of us that attain any degree of success should be respectful and, and, and appreciative and humbled by that. But uh, to merely call it luck or merely, merely call it chance, uh, I, I think that's ridiculous. And, and as, as you point out, too, it, it's it, the people who have achieved it and achieved it through that hard work realize it's not about luck. Yes, I, I think if... Um if you get one sale in every ten doors you knock on, and you knock on one door, your chances of getting lucky is very slim. But if you if your chance is one in ten, and you knock on a hundred doors, you're probably going to get ten sales. So it yeah, is about yeah, putting in the yards. 
and, and it's also the drive then to go, well, if I'm getting one out of ten, I better knock on 20 doors today. Exactly. You know, or 30 doors today. If I, you know, if, if I want to increase my sales 100%, then, then I need to knock on this many more doors. And, and success leaves clues. I mean, it, 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 in so many ways, I mean, people don't want to... People don't want to understand this, but it's uh, in so many ways it's a numbers game. Yeah. And by that I mean, um, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I gave a thousand free speeches that I've documented. Right. A thousand free speeches before I got paid for any. Right. And then people will go, gosh, she's so lucky to have a good career as a, as a speaker. Uh, don't <laughs> get me wrong. I am very fortunate. I'm the, I, I consider myself to be one of those most fortunate people because folks like you and I get to do something that we really love. I mean, that's, and, and that's a true blessing. But I, I've said all along, you, people come up and say, well, will you help me build my business? And I said, sure. First, just go out and do half of what I did. Go out and give 500 free speeches and, and, and we'll go from there. And over 30 years, not one person has ever done the 500 free speeches. Sure. It's a lot of work, i got to tell you. Um, we're, yeah, right. We're just, um, we're just about out of time. But very quickly, um, collapse of distinction, you talk about four cornerstones of distinction. What are they, Scott? Real quickly, cornerstone number one is clarity. You, you, you can't differentiate in the marketplace what you can't define as an advantage. Yep. And, and I think that's part of what happens is we go out in the marketplace and we try to be all things to all people or the market gets a little tough. So we start doing things outside of what our mission is. And, and so it's being very clear about what we stand for in the market, which also means we're clear about what we don't do and what we won't do. And we put a flag in the ground and say, this, this is where we are. Second thing is creativity. It's then taking that clarity and doing something unique as, as I mentioned earlier with the enterprise rental car example or, yep. or finding a way to do something unique. Make a different. Third is communication. Uh, it's being distinctive organizations and distinctive professionals found out more than others. They used stories as the way that they communicated. They used a narrative. Yep. Yes, they delivered facts and figures, but they did it through a compelling, exciting, engaging story. And the fourth is a customer experience focus. Distinctive organizations not only focused on customers and serving customers, they focused on what did it feel like to be your customer? What kind of experiences? What, you know, what, what, what was the uh, emotion that you were engaging with customers? You only become loyal to those things that you have feeling toward. Yeah, right? I agree if I don't feel anything talking. about you, then I'm not going to be loyal to you. So, so, but what we haven't done enough in business, it seems like any place in the world, is, is to really look at what are the emotional connections that we're establishing with customers, how do we drive those so that they're deeper connections, what do we do to make them long-lasting? So distinctive organizations and distinctive professionals tended to do those particular cornerstones in that particular order. Scott, fantastic to speak to you. I've really enjoyed it. I hope that we meet round the circuit someday. You know, I sound like oh, an Aussie, but I've, I've lived in California for 25 years. Um, yes, yes. But I still sound like an Aussie. <laughs> so if you'd like <laughs> well, to find I, out... I, I, even more I about Scott. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um, so if you'd like to find out more about Scott, go to his website, scottmccain.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-M-C-K-A-I-N.com. And don't forget his book, Collapse of Distinction. I guess uh, go to Amazon.com. And I'll be back after this short break.
stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Radio Show, where we give you an insight into the lives of some of the world's extraordinary people and what makes them tick. Most extraordinary people that I've ever met began life in average, ordinary circumstances, just like the most of us. What is it that makes them interesting, unusual, and great? Well, this is the segment where we try to find out. My guest today in this segment is Donald Cooper, who I reached in Toronto this afternoon. Donald began his career at age five, sweeping the floor in his family's business for just five cents a day. Long days and low pay. That is excellent training for most entrepreneurs. After he earned his undergraduate degree in business and an MBA, he worked for 18 years in the Cooper family business, legendary for making hockey equipment. At 43, he left the business and became an award-winning fashion retailer. In three years, he redefined the customer experience and won seven awards for excellence in marketing, service, and business innovation. Donald now travels the world, adding more value to his customers' bottom lines and to their lives. Hi, Donald. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Good day, Bob. It's wonderful to be with you. Oz is one of my favorite places on the planet, and now the home of my daughter, who went to Cambridge University and fell in love with an Aussie guy and vacated the premises off to Sydney. So uh, for many reasons, I, I have a very special, heartfelt connection with the, the wonderful folks of Australia. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't get back to Australia as often. I live in California and I lived there for 25 years now. You live in now. California? 25 years. I should have known I should have known from that California accent. <laughs> yeah, the accent doesn't go away, does it, despite all that time. No. Um, Donald, you've been a, both a world-class manufacturer and an award-winning retailer, and now you coach businesses around the world on how to sell more and manage smarter, grow the bottom line, and still have a life. Um, what have you discovered are the basic challenges that are faced by small business today? Uh, Bob, one of the biggest challenges, and you're right, I've been on both sides of the fence, been a manufacturer, been a retailer, uh, both sides of that uh, of that business fence, and as uh, they say, the grass often looks greener on the other side of the fence, and sure. sometimes it is, but the water bill is higher. <laughs> one, one, of the big, one of the big issues uh, that I find in businesses, small, medium, and large, is uh, that... Uh, Everyone is not singing from the same hymn sheet. My grandma Cooper, bless her heart, she never ran a business and never gave a speech, never coached anybody on business, but grandma nailed business leadership in one 
sentence. People write books two inches thick on this subject. Grandma did it in one sentence when she used to say to our dysfunctional family, which makes us no different from any other family, <laughs> I suppose, Grandma used to say, we need to get everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. And, and here's what typically happens in, in most businesses, certainly the ones around the world that I've worked in in about 40 different industries. Problem number one, there is no damn hymn sheet. There's no hymn sheet, but you should all sing from it. All you employees should all sing from the hymn sheet that doesn't exist. Yeah. Number two, uh, possibility is that there is a hymn sheet, but it's seen only by the top two people in the company, and they think <laughs> it's nobody else's business to see the secret hymn sheet, but you should all sing from it. Number three possibility is that we hand out a different hymn sheet to everyone in the form of different instructions, different urgencies, mandates, priorities, projects, and you and I work for the same company, and we look over each other's shoulder at our completely different hymn sheets, and we ask the musical question, what the heck's going on here? And the good people leave, and the bad ones take, I don't give a damn pills, and keep showing up. <laughs> the for, the for, you, we've all seen this. Yeah, the, fourth possi the fourth possibility is that we hired a consultant to write our hymn sheet, and nobody understands a word of it. And, and so... The question is, for all of my audiences and for my clients, uh, is, uh, uh, is everyone singing from the same hymn sheet in your business? So how do you get everybody singing from the same hymn sheet if there isn't one? <laughs> well, we, we need to have one. And, right. and it, it all has to do with the clarity. And, and there's lots of opinions about what is the most important job for a business owner, leader, or manager, but I think that it's so obvious that, there, that, that, that it shouldn't be uh, a, a, a challenge to figure it out. Our first job is clarity. Right. The first job of any business owner, leader, or manager is clarity. So specifically about five things. What do we, first of all, to be clear, what do we commit to deliver? What's the extraordinary value and customer experience that we commit to always deliver yep. uh, value and experiences that will clearly differentiate us, make us famous, uh, grab our target customers, grab their minds, their hearts, and their wallets, and, and, and grow our bottom line. So first of all, what do we commit to deliver? Number two, what do we commit to become? What's this business going to be like, look like, function like in three to five years? No point in thinking of it any further than three to five years, in my opinion. So number one, what do we commit to deliver? Number two, what do we commit to become? Number three, how are we going to get there to that, to that three to five year future? Number four, what's the extraordinary bottom line that we commit to generate? And number five, how do we commit to behave along the way, which is our values, our ethics, and our standards? And most businesses simply lack that kind of clarity, and it's killing them. I see it over and over Again, if the people at the top of the organization are not clear about those five things, who else in the company could possibly be? And the answer is nobody. So looking for a minute about what we commit to become, how do we anticipate the future? Well, what most people don't realize, and I've spent years noodling this through, what most people don't realize is that there's actually two kinds of future. There's future number one, which is the future that will happen, all the stuff that will happen in the future over which we have no control. 
you know, war, pestilence, yeah. uh, government regulation, technology, <laughs> all that, yeah, all that stuff. So number one is the future over which we have no control, and that is the future that we spend all our time thinking about, worrying about, so that we have no time to think about future number two. And future number two is the future that we could choose to proactively create in spite of all the stuff that's, that's going on. Thomas Edison did not say, I don't know if this electricity thing will catch on or not. I'll put the light bulb on the back burner. No, he invented the light bulb, and then he created the Edison Electric Company to bring electricity to people's homes so that they could need his light bulb. And, uh, oh, by the way, the Edison Electric Company is today known as General Electric, Electric. GE. You never know what might happen if you just get off your behind and get started with something. It could end up being quite... Quite wonderful. Every large business started off as a small small business. business. Switching gears for a moment, um, let's look at the commitment to deliver compelling customer value and services. Um, How do we do that in an over-serviced and pretty cynical marketplace? Uh, We do it with one simple shift in our thinking, Bob, and it's this. Most businesses make the mistake of defining themselves by what they sell and by how and where they have always done business. So it's all about them, and it's all about yesterday. And what I do working with audiences and clients is to get them to simply redefine their business, not by what they sell or by how and where they've always done business, but by how they help people. My favorite example is ice boxes. And for for the, for the young people listening, ask some old person what an ice box is. It's what we had before refrigerators. Yeah. And the people who made ice boxes in the late 1800s and the early 1900s made a ton of money. Everybody needed an ice box. But if they define themselves by what they made, we make ice boxes, sink or swim. Then they were put out of business starting in 1917, put out of business by that pesky darn refrigerator. Ice boxes at home. Hmm, missed that one. <laughs> but if they had simply defined themselves by how they help people, it's this easy. Help me finish this sentence. We are in the business of helping people make food last longer. Yeah. It is so simple and it so profound. So then you go, okay, that's, you define yourself by how we help people, and then we ask two simple but powerful questions. Number one, what kind of help do they need? What products do they need? What services? What help? What coaching? What information? What reminders? What kind of help? So many business owners say to me, my customers need so much help, they're driving me crazy. How about, praise God, they need help. If they don't need help, they don't need us. And the more help they need, the more we can deliver and the more they need us and the more we can add to our top line and our bottom line and to their lives. Uh, so, so, so question. So first, define yourself by how you help. Number two, make a list of all the help they need. And then number, uh, uh, question number two or step number three, uh, say, how can we actually deliver some of that help better than our competitors? Just, One, two, three steps. It's so simple. Just out of interest... Um, I grew up dirt poor, and uh, in the fo- not, in the 40s, at home, we still had an ice box. We did we yeah. we didn't have refrigerators or television or anything, but we did have an ice box. I remember yeah. the guy coming around delivering the ice quite well. Um, yeah, and, and when you and I were kids, a treat was when the guy took the ice pick and he and, and he he jabbed 
a big chunk of ice to yep. cut off the 25 pounds of ice or 30 pounds of ice that we needed. They're little shards of, of ice would fly off onto the ground. And, and I'd run, my brother and I, we'd run and grab those, and wipe the dirt off on our, on our equally dirty pants, yep. and pop that sucker into our mouth. And that was a treat. When That's we were right. Kids. It was. You're right. Now, hey. Is there such a thing as customer loyalty anymore? Um, a lot of people don't believe there is, and I, d I believe there's not because they don't earn it. <laughs> well, Bob, that's, that's one of the great myths in business. I hear this from business uh, owners and clients all the time. No such thing as customer loyalty anymore. God's making people differently. Man, if you're going to blame somebody else for your problems, you may as well go right to the top. Right. But the truth is, the truth is that every single one of us in both our business and our personal lives, we are searching, desperately searching for heroes to be loyal to, businesses that we can trust to help us to be loyal to. So while we are desperately searching for businesses to be loyal to, every business says there's no such thing as loyalty anymore. It's just goofy. Lies in the face of human reality. Yeah, no, I agree. Now, you talk to business leaders about being a smarter manager, growing their business and having a life, but it's pretty difficult to have a real life these days, isn't it, When in this tough environment and when you try to run and grow a business? Bob, absolutely it's difficult, but it's also absolutely necessary. It's necessary for your family, it's necessary for your own creativity, and it's necessary for your soul. It, it's the thing I say to, to uh, folks is don't make your business your neat fort, N-E-A-T, yep. neat fort. When we were kids, we all built neat forts. Yep. We put a blanket over the dining room table and chairs. We stole a cookie out of the kitchen, and we climbed under the dining room table into our neat fort, and we were safe from the world. If we were more adventurous and we lived near a forest, we built a tree fort maybe or whatever yep. it was, yep. but we, 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 we all had a neat fort where we went to hide from reality to create some, some little kind of fantasy thing. But business is where we need to go to be engaged in reality. If you're going to work to hide from reality, you're in big trouble. And I work with lots of clients who have made their business their neat fort. It's where they go to hide from their spouse, from their kids, from all the other things they could be on the planet. It is their neat fort, and they're going there to hide from reality, and if you're going to work to hide from reality, you and your business are in big trouble. So we still need a neat fort. We had them as kids, and as adults, you still need a neat fort. Get a cabin in the woods, get a tent and a canoe, get a motor home, train set in the basement. I, I, I don't a mistress in Miami. I'm not here to judge. But we all need a neat fort. We all need a place to go and, and, and hide sometimes and yeah. to rejuvenate and to re-energize. So don't make your business your neat fort. And, you know, we invite people. We invite people into our lives by marriage and birth. It's called a family. And usually by making promises to them. And the question is, with regard to our, to our family, uh, are we promise makers or, 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 sorry, promise keepers or promise breakers? And uh, I see that, that, that a lot. My mother, I'll never forget as, as a little kid hearing my mother say about my father, apparently home is where you go when you're tired of being nice to people. <laughs> she, said, she, said, she said, I just want to be treated like a customer. Bob, we have customers at home too.
Yeah, I agree. Well, it's great to speak to you, Donald. And if you'd like to find out even more about Donald, go to his website, www.donaldcooper.com. And I'll be back for the last segment of the show after this short break. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Straight Talking Business Radio Show. This is the show where there's absolutely no bullshit. We just tell it the way it is. And uh, this week, we're coming to you from Sydney where I lived before I moved to the United States. And I've been living in the United States now for 25 years, but I still sound like an Aussie. Uh, this afternoon, as soon as I finish this show, I am on a plane to India where I'm giving presentations over the next week. And next week is the 100th Bob Pritchard radio show for Voice America Business, and I'm looking forward to it. The interesting thing is we'll be bringing it to you from Mumbai in India. Now, this is a segment of the show where we bring you emails from our listeners all over the world. So, in keeping, funnily enough, and totally by accident, um, this week's first email comes from Darren Mera, I think, from New Delhi in India. Darren runs, Darren's email says, we are in computer retail and we've received all promotion Gunning your presentation at the India Retail Forum and we will be attending that event next week. Great. If you're listening to the show, make sure you come and say hello. Um, I remember that when you presented that the last time four years ago, it was a great presentation and we're looking forward to an equally good presentation this year. Well, thank you. We keep hearing about wearable gadgets, in particular smartwatches, which have been receiving a lot of publicity in India recently. You're closer to the action in the US than we are. So I was wondering, what is your view of their potential? Darren, there's a whole bunch of various opinions about how successful wearables will be. Um, the success will likely vary considerably from product to product, depending on what you buy. I think smartwatches may do okay. I'm worried about the size of them. Um, smart eyewear. Mm, that might work. Connected fitness bands and things like that will always be popular with that segment of the market. But if you can determine anything from funds raised by startups, Fitbit just raised um, $43 million. And IDC has said that um, it may be causing the tablet market to slow down. So who knows? Because at the moment, the uh, wearables market's dominated by bracelets and they're likely to remain popular because... They're easy and they apply in fitness and medical and some of those applications, so they're specific. But in my view, smartwatches and smart eyewear will um, 
probably transform the way we read our instant messages, take photos or Google something. Uh, it's a pain in the neck trying to keep your smartphone, carry it, put it in your pocket. They're getting bigger and bigger. So I don't think it'll take long to get used to wearables, particularly the watch. Um, the next logical extension seems to be to have the um, watch wristband track your heartbeat and send your pulse rate to the cloud where an app can rep- record it and analyse it and determine that you're still breathing and alive. Um, so I can see a time when all sorts of people, dieters and diabetics and the elderly and the fitness will come to rely on these watches. I'm not so convinced about Google Glass or whatever the equivalent product is by anybody else. I find them cumbersome. It's another item you have to carry. The great thing about the watch is that it's on your wrist and uh, you don't have to worry about losing it or fossing through your pockets to find it. Um, so I think, I think watches probably do okay. I'm just worried about the size of them. One, that they're small and difficult to use. Um, secondly, if you make them any bigger, nobody wants to wear them. So BI Intelligence forecasts a $12 billion market for wearables with watch leading the pack, and uh, the market's likely to grow to as many as 171 million units by 2016 and 485 million units by 2018. So, sheesh, that's not long. Five years, 485 million units, and I will guarantee you that the majority of those will be watches. Darren, tomorrow we will send you a copy of Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, How to Blitz Your Competition. I think you'll find it's a great read and gives you a number of perspectives on how to deliver great marketing. And uh, also, don't forget that um, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets is out on audiobook. Now, we don't have time to get into our second email today, which I plan to do. So let me just remind you of a couple of things. If you've, if you've uh, missed any of the shows that we've brought you since 2011, then you can go on to Voice America Business Archives and listen to any of the shows and listen to literally hundreds of great interviews like you heard a bit earlier. They were both really good interviews. And uh, you can get uh, Kick-Ass Business Marketing Secrets as an audio book. Now, if you're a regular listener to the show and are benefiting from the advice that we give you, Please tell your friends to listen. Go to my website at bobpritchard.com and subscribe to my monthly newsletter. Send in your questions. Email me at bob at bobpritchard.com and follow me on Twitter, Facebook, Google Plus and contact me on LinkedIn. Now, next week, it's the 100th show. It'll be a lot of fun, so join us at the same time from Mumbai. And no matter where you are in the world, it'll be a great show. So thanks for listening to the Bob Pritchard, no bullshit, business radio show for entrepreneurs. And I thank you for listening for the last 99 weeks. And remember, if you're serious about being successful, this is the place to come absolutely every week at the same time. This is Bob Pritchard, and I look forward to speaking to you from Mumbai next week. And I hope you have a great week ahead.
You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.